What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Mondays here at Tail Bar City Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, lot to get to today. It is National Championship Football. TCU Georgia that follows us on many of our Hail Varsity Radio affiliates. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark is somewhere. Uh, he is anxious to get back at it. I'm waiting for someone to walk behind you, Connor, with a. Uh, well, with a hood and, and put it over your head. It looks quite frankly like a hostage situation. <laughs> Elijah's at least in studio. I'm in the main studio. And then Connor's, well, somewhere uh, in an undisclosed safe house right now. No art on the walls. There's no distinguishing location for, for a reason. There's no uh, Chicago Bears mascot with a tear down its cheek. <laughs> Although it could be tears of joy with the top pick overall. Thanks, Lovey. Yeah, it was a good day yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, here's you the thing. You get worked and you get the number one pick overall. Too bad you got a quarterback already. Mm. See, I was uh, I was texting well, Schmidt yesterday. Well, the Packers lost, too. Packers did yeah, lose, but I was texting Schmidt yesterday. I made myself a steak dinner last night because I was celebrating the, the joyful end of the Broncos season. Finally, after a fall of pain and suffering, it was all over. And then they find a way to pull out a win. So it was a, it was a good Sunday for me as well because – it didn't matter what the Broncos did. No matter what happened, they weren't getting their first-round pick this year. So I could root for a win. Didn't matter. Got myself a steak dinner at the end of the night. And I am excited to actually watch good football in the playoffs because I have had a full fall of watching terrible football. Thanks, Broncos. Let's see if the college football playoff gets it kicked off. Uh, numbers to get in. Join us today on Hale Varsity Radio, 466 466 800 5865 can email the show chris at hailvarsity.com and if you uh, want to watch the show please do so hail varsity youtube channel can click on there and find us on the hail varsity youtube hail varsity radio at h varsity radio on twitter is where you can watch that's also where you catch coffee and cream damon and andrew weekday mornings seven to nine uh, and uh, also the ESPN platform, ESPN Lincoln, Facebook, and Twitter. I have two coins in my hand. While it isn't much, it is something. For the next national championship game, we should start a GoFundMe for the fan bases to cover their bar tab for tonight. SoFi Stadium is charging $19 for a Modelo Tallboy. I don't know what the other options oh my are. God. I know there's box wine. I know that a hot dog's going to run you like 13 bucks. Uh, I know sandwiches and street tacos are going to run you 15. But I love me some Modelo. Not endorsing it. I just tell you that's what I order. Elijah can vouch. I, I order Modelo with a lime. I won't even get a freaking lime at SoFi tonight. I can't tailgate. I can't bring the smoker. And 
it's raining, or it has been in L.A. Not that it matters. They'll just kind of zip up the top. But the point is, is think about going and watching your national title game. They served beer at the Orange Bowl way the hell back when. And I think maybe that ran my old man nine bucks. But now you're going to get a tall boy of Modelo for $19. So I think it's it's only fair that you... (laughs) Somebody needs to start a GoFundMe for the college football championship game. At least the student section. At least the student section. The the student section's who I feel for here because the other people, you know, if you have tickets to the national championship game, it's almost like the Super Bowl at this point where I go, you've got money to blow one. What what was it at SoFi Stadium last year for the Super Bowl? It was like something stupid like, wasn't $10,000 for a parking pass into the parking lot at SoFi? Probably. And then it was like $1,000 for like street spots in front of people's houses. Uh, in the neighborhood around the scene, like bonkers stuff, and that's how L.A. goes. But, you know, that's just how these, these big very, professional... Very fair point. Very fair point. We need to start a GoFundMe for the students. Yeah, section. So, but, like, the people who go to these events, they can probably afford it. You're, you're getting airfare to L.A. probably if you're coming from either Georgia or Texas. That'd be a, a brutal road trip to make. You're probably paying for airfare. You're paying for a hotel in California during college football playoff weekend. Like... You had money to go to this event. You can probably afford a $19 beer, or you could just not drink. But it's going to hurt taking the, the the 20 out of your wallet. <laughs> a little bit, but it's the student section I feel for, because you know you know, there's students from TCU in Georgia that have all hopped in some minivan, and they've oh, been road tripping across the country for the past three days. They, they got their cheaper student section seats through the university, and you know, they're just trying to make ends meet, and now they got to spend 20 bucks for beer, and oh, hey, there's no tailgating in the parking lot for you to get a nice pregame going either. No, like, you, you, those those poor kids are straight out of luck tonight. Well, and how many of them are fishing for money line options four to one with TCU? That's the payout right now. It's a four to one payout. Your odds, if uh, you were working the Magic Eight Ball before the college football season kicked off, five hundred to one for TCU. Long shot. Brad Edwards is going to break it down with us here, the national title game. Brad's covered a million of these. He's got a great background with the SEC. What does he think tonight? Brad Edwards, uh, longtime college football insider, uh, will be with us in about 20 minutes. He'll uh, jump in on the uh, stream with us in hour two. Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. A lot to talk to Charlie about in the new year. Not only new defensive coordinator, uh, Tony White, the three three five, but also tonight's matchup, and and Uncle Charlie knows a thing or two about going into a national title game, heavily underdogged. Uh, this is the largest playoff era point spread there's been. It's minus twelve and a half right now. Georgia's favored. Nebraska, uh, thirty years ago, went into the Orange Bowl against Charlie Ward in Florida State. They were underdogged. By 17 and a half, Trev Alberts went nuts that game, went nuts all season, quite honestly. But uh, what, a, what a ball game in that 18 to 60, 16 theft that occurred, if you ask a lot of Nebraska fans. Elijah and Connor right now are looking at each other. What was 1993 like? Uh, I, I get it, fellas. Way, way, way before your time. But uh, trust me, when it comes to uh, Cinderella, the underdog, that emotion that you can ride. Uh, we'll get to that in our two. Charlie McBride has mentioned. Brady Oltman's going to jump on for a Monday hit with Nebraska, where they sit with the transfer portal. And the moving and shaking that's uh, ongoing here is the portal window will close sooner than you think. 
Also a chance to get on the road Friday for Nebraska head coaches and assistant coaches to check out some 2024 recruits. Don't forget, while we're at it, we need to lock in our picks for the uh, the national title game tonight. And might need to take a look back at our how, steak how and bad, beer bets How bad Friday. did they go? We, maybe we'll get into them a little bit later in the show. There's there's some drama here for sure. You won some, I won some. Uh, we can let you know who won a little bit later. At least it was an odd number. Uh, let's start off with Nebraska basketball. And guys, listen, it's kind of nice when you get surprised. And I know Nebraska was supposed to win on Saturday at Minnesota. Too many times for Nebraska basketball fans, uh, instances, opportunities, moments like Saturday have slipped away. If you're a Nebraska basketball fan, it didn't. Uh, Derek Walker and company willed a win in overtime, 81-79. And Nebraska right now a game away from 500. The Illini come to town tomorrow night. PBA is going to be sold out and rocking. A week from Wednesday, we are venturing down to Rosie's downtown Lincoln, just south of the embassy for a road show. As we get you ready for Ohio State, though, first things first, Nebraska uh, gets set to touch gloves with uh, last year's co-Big Ten champs. The Illini have been scuffling a bit, but uh, they are very real and a great opportunity. At least Nebraska's got some momentum, fellas as they get to return back home, as January's been very unkind. Six of nine conference games on the road this month for Nebraska. So a potential knockout shot just from a scheduling aspect. People like this team. People like this team because they're gritty, they're unselfish, they're blue-collar, and they found a way to win. They just kind of will themselves. They're not always pretty. But they find a way to make it happen. And what they did is they showed plenty of poise. They made smart basketball plays. There was about a three or four possession stretch. In the second half, Nebraska came out, hit seven to eight. Uh, They did good from the free throw line as well. And and they really were clutch, eight to ten. Final about two minutes between end of regulation and overtime to hit free throws. So the uh, the lab work paid off. The extra effort paid off uh, with Nebraska free throw shooting. But Nebraska just did what they needed to do. They won at the free throw line. They won on the, uh, the in the paint scoring. They won rebounding. And the only thing that y- y- you can complain about, and this allowed uh, a fourteen to four Minnesota spurt. Nebraska reverted reverted back to uh, just some hurry basketball with some bad passes or decision-making or quick shots. There's about a three or four possession stretch around the, I want to say the, 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 the the 10, 20 mark in that second half that opened the door for Minnesota, the chip away and then regain the lead. But the Nebraska kind of showed up and, and showed out with, with how they finished. So big win for Nebraska. Wasn't a, uh, this is how the the feel is. If they lose, you lose interest. If they keep winning, you'll hang around and stay interested in them. I think that's where a lot of the fan base is. Even if you like this team, they still need to win to keep your attention. But, guys, they won a game that it was a need to win. We hear about must-win games 
Saturday was a need to win. And it, was right. a, it was a true road game. I think that's what was the biggest takeaway was for me. And it's not that, you know what, Minnesota is not a team that's going to be in the top half of the Big Ten this year. They're probably going to be bottom two or bottom three based on that roster and based on the injuries. That's not a great Minnesota team. And that's where I kind of okay, say, okay, hold the horses. But they got a true road win. They got that monkey off their back. How many times this season have they walked out on a, an away floor and just not looked like themselves? You, you look at how they play at home and then you compare it to – say Kansas State, and I guess that was technically a neutral game, but it wasn't on the home floor, and you go, that just doesn't look like the team that we're used to. Against Michigan State, I know Michigan State had a good shooting night, but it didn't quite look like the Nebraska team that you were accustomed to seeing this year. You finally saw them do it away from home on Saturday. It was a team that played the way that Nebraska has won their basketball games this year. They they stuck with their offensive rhythm for the most part. They played with defensive intensity. They didn't let the the away crowd, who Minnesota had a pretty good Saturday morning crowd, uh, that that got behind the Golden Gophers, and Nebraska didn't let that affect them. They, they stuck with it. They battled against some momentum swings, and they got a win. And that's what's most important at the end of the day is this Nebraska basketball team, no one was expecting to go compete for the, the top of the Big Ten, and that, that's still not going to happen this year. But they're winning games. They're doing it in a fun way, and, and they have a chance for postseason basketball. Is it NCAA tournament? Probably not. But if they continue playing the way they're playing, I think they're a pretty good shot for making the NIT and getting some sort of postseason basketball, which is it's, it's positive news. It's positive developments, and it's a step in the right direction for Fred and company. Well, you, in Connor, you want I, – I think you'd take an NIT. I think you're going to keep battling. Uh, I was talking to Jack Ebling, our, our dear friend from Michigan State, a legendary writer and broadcaster. His take this year for this Big Ten – is he's thinking 16 and four probably wins the league, while Purdue's on the mountaintop. You're going to get drilled uh, if you don't bring your A or even A minus game night in night out. Look at Indiana last night. Well, they <laughs> hit a three at the buzzer. Uh, Northwestern was up comfortably, and then that thing about slipped away the final two and a half minutes. Nebraska was able to figure it out. Uh, he had seven points from Walker in overtime. Love Jawan Gary. Love his rebounding. Love his defensive intensity. Seven for 11, 18 points. He had two monster tip-ins on follows yes. that were just key. Nebraska went to the well a lot with Walker. Two of his misses while they were contested. Gary right there to clean up. I still have a problem with Wiltshire and Tomanaga. One of those two guys need to be on from here on out. I don't care who it is, all right? But both of them get beat up defensively and offensively. They just haven't been hitting. Now, I know Tominaga put the Superman cape on against Purdue, so there's a little more recency with him. But even uh, Wil- Wilhelm, Breidenbach, uh, I love seeing this on Twitter, the serial killer. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? The serial killer. Uh, he is really, I know they didn't play well against Sparty, but he played well. Made some nice plays with uh, some step-through finishes and has hit a couple of threes. And then again, seven points, guys, off the bench. Connor, you've seen this team quite a bit. You've seen him in person calling a couple of games. And, you know, where's your pulse right now with Nebraska? What were you expecting Saturday? Did you think they'd win or are you kind of relieved they won? I was expecting a win. I didn't think it would honestly go into overtime. But the fact that they were able to get a win in that circumstance, as Elijah mentioned. Minnesota had a pretty solid crowd on a, on a Saturday morning for a team that's not very good. But the fact that Nebraska was able to go on the road, get an overtime win in a need-to-win scenario, and I think you have another one of those scenarios here tomorrow night at PBA. Because Illinois is coming off of an impressive win after losing their point guard, Sky Clark. 
They beat Wisconsin by 10 on their home floor, but now they have to come to PBA where Nebraska so far this year has been pretty good. They're six and one at the vault so far this year. So they've definitely upped the level of play in their home stadium. They've played really, really good teams close, such as Purdue in that overtime loss. So I think this is another kind of need to win game for Nebraska. Because if you get to 500 in the conference this early in the year, keep in mind, Nebraska didn't get nine wins until the second to last game of the regular season a year ago. So I think the NIT is definitely something that is in sight. This is a big game for Nebraska. If they can get it, it would be huge just because the Big Ten is so wishy-washy this year, for lack of a better term. Well, you get to that uh, that, that 9 or 10 spot in conference, you will be on the bubble. And it will determine what you can do in Big Ten tournament play for a handful of teams. You'll be looking great one minute, Rutgers case in point, and then you're not. We'll dive into the college football playoff. College football insider Brad Edwards next with Hale Varsity. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome in college football insider Brad Edwards. Can watch us as we are on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Also on Twitter, ESPN Lincoln, Facebook and Twitter, and the Hale Varsity Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio, at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad, it's, it's like you're sitting across the table from me here, uh, circa 2014, Nebraska, Miami. How you doing, man? Good to see you. Uh, yeah. Uh, good to see you too. That's been that long since I saw you. I guess uh, in, in person. person. So, yeah. <laughs> lucky for but you. Face to face. Yeah. <laughs> lucky for you, right? Is that, is that lucky for me? Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> hey. I tell you what. I wish. Uh, I wish I had had gotten to see you more recently because I would have liked to have been to a couple of College World Series, but. That's another story. No, absolutely. We'll just have to uh, figure you out uh, to get you down to, well, whatever it's called now. But downtown Omaha, uh, uh, the Chuck, I guess, is is what I'll call it. Beers are on us. Yeah. We're we're, we're going to put a collection plate and start passing it around uh, to our listeners for the good student sections of Georgia and TCU tonight for, for SoFi Stadium. I was complaining about the fact that it's 19 bucks, and I love Modelo beer, as you can see, but it's 19 <laughs> bucks for a, for a tall boy Modelo, and I guess that's just price of doing business at the college football playoff. And there's no tailgating, apparently. Right. So it's, not like, it's not like you can get your fill and then go in. It's like if you want anything, you you got to pay their price, so... Uh, hopefully the game is worth it because I don't I don't think a whole lot of the rest of the experience will be. Exactly. We're just kind of shaking our head. L.A.'s fun. It's cool. It's just a weird setup with the middle of rush hour and, oh, yeah, here's a national championship game going on uh, at La La Land time. Let's dive in, Brad, and really put in perspective as you've watched and covered college football what TCU's done this year. The odds are one thing, but it's quite another for them to have a 6-1 and one mark 
and come from behind victories. They're a talented football team, but they probably even surprised themselves a bit with just uh, coming down to the wire and winning really tight high-scoring ball games. Yeah, obviously there was a very small margin for error for them to get to this point, uh, but they've defied the odds and they've managed to do it. Now, at the same time, you have to ask the question, who's the best team they've beaten to get here? The answer is Michigan mm-hmm. in, in a game in which they won by six um, and they needed two interception returns for touchdown and a fumble recovery from Michigan at the one-yard line going in. Uh, all of that they needed in order to make that happen. And, and now you're talking about going up another notch in competition uh, against Georgia. So is this even realistic to think TCU can win this game? I, I don't think so. Uh, it's a great story. I know there, there are fans all over the country who really want to see, at the very least, they want to see TCU take this deep into the fourth quarter, if not win it, because they want to believe that a team like a TCU with that recruiting profile has a chance in today's college football. It has been a long time since a team that has recruited at not a top 20 level mm-hmm. has, has come this close to winning a national championship. I don't think they can do it, but if they can, it gives a lot of people hope. Brad, do you think there's going to be more strain on TCU's offense or their defense? Because it's been talked about all year long for a couple years now, even how good Georgia's defense is, but Georgia's offense might be, flying a little bit under the radar this year, but they've been pretty high flying as well, and it's going to be tough for both sides of the ball. But when you look at that Georgia defense, I said a couple weeks ago, I thought Ohio State might be the only team in the country that could really move the ball on them, and that Ohio State did, but now it's going to be TCU's task to try and do that. So which side of the ball do you think is going to have to work harder to find success against Georgia? Yeah, I think the TCU defense is going to have a bigger challenge, uh, not only because Georgia's passing game is a lot better than people give it credit for. And, and, you know, some of that is because they've got a tight end who no one can match up with. Uh, They also have, uh, I don't know how how many, what, eight receivers who are, you know, four or five stars and not a single one of them is a household name. But there's not a weak link there. And, And so, you know, good luck matching up with those guys as well. I mean, your, your best hope is that you can stop Georgia from running the ball because, I mean, to me, that's the biggest concern. I think that's where the mismatch is in this game. It, it's not at the skill. TCU's got plenty of athletes. Maybe not quite at Georgia's level, but, but TCU's better than most in the nation when it comes to athleticism. It's in the trenches where I think Georgia really has the edge. And as much as I, I think that same advantage goes to Georgia when they're on defense – you know, you teams that can throw the ball well can throw on Georgia. And they have the last two games. I mean, not only what Ohio State did, but go back to the SEC championship. And while the, the score wasn't close, LSU's two quarterbacks combined to throw for more than 500 yards in that game. And, and so you can throw on Georgia if you give your quarterback time. And, and so I think there is a formula for TCU to have success on offense. I think it's a lot more of a challenge for TCU's defense to be able to come up with some stops. Brad Edwards is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Brad, I know you can't really argue the size and physicality of Georgia, but in TCU's defense, they were up multiple scores against Michigan for a while in that game, and their defense and offensive line really impressed me in that game. And yes, Michigan is definitely the best team that TCU has played. Is it wrong of me to think that TCU may have a chance tonight? I don't think it's ever wrong to think a team has a chance when you get to this level. I just think TCU's chance depends on Georgia playing a poor game. Mm. 
You know, that Georgia's going to have to make mistakes they don't typically make. Uh, they're going to need to, uh, wh- whether it's some really big turnovers, and I don't mean just, you know, fumbling a snap and TC recovers, but something that they can actually get a good return off of or something Georgia does inside of its own 20 um, to, to set up TCU. They have to be, you know, momentum swinging turnovers, uh, big special teams plays. Those are the types of things, you know, maybe even a tipped ball, like, a, you know, just a, a, a ball that should have been picked off, goes through the hands of the DB, into the hands of a receiver. Some sort of break, more than one, is good, like that. It's going to have to go TCU's way, I think, to level the playing field because the, the talent edge is heavily in Georgia's favor. I don't think this Georgia team is as good as last year's, but they're close enough that this is this is just really, really a tall order for TCU. Brad Edwards with his college football insider and uh, can catch his work as well with BVM Sports. Brad, you did a column for BVM, and you highlighted the SEC dominance. Touch on a little bit of that that con- the content in the story, but it's really been quite a two-decade run by the SEC. Yeah, look, going up back to, you know, two years ago, if, if you know, someone from the South was running their mouth about SEC, SEC, like, you know, most people in other parts of the country would have said, like, it's, it's not the SEC, it's Alabama. Well, so if you're one of those people, what do you say after tonight when Georgia wins two in a row? Do you say it's not the SEC, it's, it's Georgia, or it's just Georgia and Alabama? Because the truth is, if you go back 20 years, it, it's not just Georgia or Alabama or both. There are five different SEC teams that have won at least one national title in the last 20 years, and all five of them have played in multiple national championship games. And people forget about, you know, maybe not as much LSU because they won it just, you know, three years ago. Uh, but Florida with Urban Meyer, that was within the last 20 years. Um Auburn, 2010 and 2013, was in a couple of national championship games. So there are other SEC teams that have done it. And look, if we want to go back and just, you know, a, a logical starting point would be the beginning of the BCS slash playoff era, which was 1998. If you go back then, that's 25 years. Then you have to add Tennessee, which had an undefeated season winning the first BCS title. So, you know, the SEC has dominated in, in a way that, no other conference ever has. And this is a, it's really a tough comparison to make because conference, there used to be so many independent teams Mm -hmm. that were really good in college football. And and so the landscape has changed. It's hard to make the comparison, but we haven't seen anything like this before. And just for perspective over the same span of time, the big 10 has had a number of good teams, but only one of them has won a national championship and that's Ohio state. And and so, you know, and, and by the way, if you go to the rest of the conferences, there's not a single other conference that's had more than two teams win a national title over that span where the SEC's had six different ones do it. It's deep end of the pool. It's pretty impressive. Is there a comp for you in college football for this TCU team? I, I look at kind of Georgia Tech, 1990, came out of nowhere, and, and wow, they, they split a title. Uh, Oklahoma in 2000 came out of nowhere, and, and then – uh, th- those are the two, and 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 then also, uh, how, about, how about UCF with Scott Frost? I know it's a, they, they came from G five, so it's a little different. But well, they they were uh, a Cotton Bowl team two years prior. Mm-hmm. So is there an Arizona State ninety six? Brad, I mean, anybody kind of remind you of this TCU team? 
You know, maybe um, now, now I will say I, I'm on record saying I think this is the biggest mismatch in a national championship game uh, since Alabama Notre Dame 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I don't think this TCU team is anything like that Notre Dame team. So, it, sure. you know, they're just a different style of team. They have better athletes than that Notre Dame team did, maybe not as good in the trenches, um, but different type of team. If, if I'm looking at someone that has, has kind of come from well off the radar to be in this spot, the most recent one might even be that Cam Newton-Auburn team. Now, right. it's a different type of team in that it was totally carried by really by two guys, one on offense and one on defense, that Auburn team was. So uh, maybe it's not the greatest comparison, but if I want to go back and find the last time that a team, um, you know, coming off a very mediocre season – made an unexpected run like this to, to get to this stage, it would it would probably be that Auburn team in mm. 2010. That's a good one. Brad, we're up against a hard break. Can you hang out? And we'll do a couple minutes yeah, on the sure. other side. All right. Brad Edwards with us. And uh, check his workout uh, with BVM Sports, Hale Varsity Radio. Yeah, I want to get Brad's take on the uh, the looming 12-team playoff. So I know Brad's still sitting backstage waiting, maybe get your uh, your gears turning on that one. What it means for the SEC, what it means to the rest of college football, Brad, I'm sure I'll have a good answer on that nope. one. We'll also get his take on, uh, on Matt Rule as well, as uh, he has been hitting the ground running from a recruiting standpoint. And I know a lot of eyes are on the... 335 alignment that Georgia runs, the TCU runs. We'll spend some time with Charlie McBride, uh, legendary Nebraska defensive coordinator. He'll kick off our two with us another Monday with Charlie. Reminder to get buckled up. And uh, when you do so, buckling up saves lives. Using your seatbelt does save lives, prevents injuries. It is properly worn. It can save you. Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Can send emails in chris at hailvarsity.com. Brennan chimes in when it comes to some TCU crossover. O'Shawn Mathis, a former Horn Frog, Omar Manning, a Horn Frog, of course, the Pride of Council Bluffs. Max Dugan, an hour away. More with Brad Edwards next. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by Currency. Quick shout out to uh, Generation Red for watching us in his living room, streaming the show uh, on the uh, Hail Varsity YouTube channel. College football insider Brad Edwards with us to talk national championship game TCU and Georgia. Numbers to get in at 466-3776 or can find us on Twitter at HVarsity Radio. So 12-team playoff soon down the road. Brad and Elijah, you're anxious to 
see what that means here moving forward. Well, we were just talking last segment about the, the decade of dominance that's been even greater than that, maybe two decades of dominance from the SEC. And I want to get Brad's take on not only what a 12-team playoff means for that, that dominance of the SEC, but what it also means for you know conferences like the Big Ten and, and schools like Nebraska and just what that move is going to do for college football. Are you excited for the move, Brad, or are you uh, fearing the move a little bit, how it could change college football? I don't know that I'm fearing it. I don't know that it's going to be uh, as big of a deal as some of the other moves that we've seen recently, like the, you know, the, the immediate eligibility for transfers, the uh, NIL, like things, things like that, I think are you know, going to be more significant as far as the way they change the sport. There, there are two ways to look at this. I mean, one is that the 12 team playoff isn't necessary because it's not going to change who wins it. Uh, hopefully it'll get us more exciting games because this year aside, the playoff games mostly haven't been all that competitive. And, uh, and you know, we, we'd only had really two good semifinal games prior to this season. We've had a, a few good championship games, but not as many as you would think when you're talking about the top four teams in the nation going head-to-head three times each year. So um, hopefully that will improve. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, I, I think that the big difference is that it's going to change the way that a lot of seasons are perceived where – you know, there, there would be teams that previously, you know, didn't get into a four-team playoff that they might get into a 12-team playoff and win their first game and then lose their second game, where the, the net result is the same, which is that you don't make it to the semifinal. But I think for the teams that can say at the end of the season that they won a playoff game, it, it's going to feel like a more successful season. I, I think it's a lot like in basketball, where a team makes it to the Sweet 16. You know, they not only got into the tournament, but they won a couple of games. And sure, they didn't come close to winning the national title when all was said and done. But to get to that second weekend, it feels like a good season, depending on who you are. Right. And so, you know, I I think a a team like like a Utah, for example, Mm -hmm. um, you know, making it to the Rose Bowl is great. But if they won a playoff game and then lost the next one, it, it almost feels to me like more of an accomplishment. So. I think that's the type of thing. And Nebraska, where the program currently is, that's something that you can shoot for. It's just to get into the playoff. And if you can win one game, it feels a heck of a lot better than, let's just say you went to the, you know, to the the Citrus Bowl and won that. I mean, it just, it's, uh, it, it's just a different feel. So I, I think that's where the big difference is. Now, to your other question, I'm, I've already given you a really long answer before I get to part two. How is it going to impact the SEC? I think, if anything, what we're ultimately going to see from the playoff, I mean, people are going to focus on, okay, now the Pac-12 is going to get in every year, a group of five champions going to get in every year. The biggest thing is is that more often than not, I think we're going to have two SEC teams in the semifinals, and people have hated that when it's happened in the four-team playoff. Both times it's happened so far, those teams ended up playing each other for the national championship. It was Alabama and Georgia both times. And, and I, I think if you if you put the three best teams from the SEC in a 12-team format every single year, I'm not saying every time two of them are going to get to the last four, but a lot more often than two in nine years, which is what's happened in this four-team playoff. So um, at the end of the day, I don't think it hurts one bit the, the chance of the SEC winning the national championship. And if anything, I, I think we'll get more, unless a team like an Ohio State gets in the way or a Clemson from what they were just a few years ago, barring someone like that rising up and, and, and putting up a serious roadblock, I, I think we're going to have more championship games played between SEC teams. 
Brad, with the new 12-team playoff, do you think, because this is my thought process on it, do you think that the regular season, even though teams could lose one or two games, those losses won't be as consequential if they want to make the playoff? Do you think that's going to enhance people paying attention to the regular season more? Or do you not? Do you think not much is going to change in that regard? I think you can look at both sides of it. I, I think with the very best teams, the end of the regular season becomes less meaningful. And, and this is a great example. I mean, if we if we all ex- assume that the conferences are going to go the way of no more divisions and just the two best teams are going to play each other in the conference championship game, which seems to be where it's going to be headed across the board. If that had been in place this year you would have gone into the Michigan-Ohio State game knowing that they were going to play again in the conference championship game the following weekend. Now, I mean, you talk about taking the air out of a huge game between two undefeated major rivals. I mean, sure, it would still mean something, but, I mean, at that point, it's not even for a division title. Hmm. I mean, the, the game that really matters is the next week on a neutral field. Um, and that would be really disappointing to see that play. It makes you wonder, like, if that does take place, would they think about moving a game like Ohio State-Michigan to the middle of the season as opposed to the end, which just seems crazy. But when you look at the alternative and what could happen if you don't do that, then maybe so. Now, on the other hand, um, the flip side is you're going to get, because you're getting conference champions in automatically, that means every division title is significant. And so, I mean, let's, let's, you know, close to home here. Let's just talk about Big Ten West. Every game in the last three weeks of November that's impacting the Big Ten West race matters because whoever wins that division is one win away from being in the college football playoff. And so there will be way more teams playing significant games in the last few weeks of the regular season. I think that'll be great for college football. Unfortunately, I think some of the huge late season games won't mean as much as they had previously. Brad, we'll end it with some Nebraska thoughts and and Matt Rule close to rounding out his staff officially. He's gone really young comparatively when (laughs) kind of joked uh, last week about being the old guy in the room, uh, hired Mr. White, as we call him here, uh, from Syracuse in his three-three-five, and that's been an impressive defense wherever he's been. So there's, there's a lot of buzz, not only with the hires, but also where he took Nebraska's recruiting class that was hovering around 40 to 45, and they finished around number 25 when you look at some different services. So he was hitting the ground running, and, and then – we all kind of thought bubble, what can year one be? We know what they were like at his previous two stops versus the portal and what he's going to inherit. And the schedule's not great, but not terrible. It's not like it was in 2019 or 2020. Uh, And you open up with Fleck in Minnesota, then you go see Dion in Boulder, and then you get into some more Big Ten play. But overall, what, what do you project here way too early with Nebraska as far as what a year one can be? I mean, you're in the division that no one can predict. And if you're most of those teams, that's a good thing. Um, but we saw what the Big Ten West was this past season, or I guess this current season. I, I'm already putting the – we got one more game before it's the mm-hmm. past season. Okay, but this season um, – and, and there's no reason to believe that things are going to be vastly different. I think I think Nebraska and Wisconsin both, both made really good head coaching hires. 
Um, but I, I think the division is up for grabs. I mean, long term, if anyone can solidify themselves as a consistent top 20 recruiter and have a good quarterback on top of that or as part of it, I, I think that becomes the, the team that can control the division for a few years. But uh, I don't see that being the case for anybody this season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's wide open. And to some extent, you know, programs with new coaches are a little bit unpredictable. Um, because it's a new scheme. You don't have the book on them the way that you would someone like P.J. Fleck, who's been in the conference for a while. So um, maybe there is a little bit of an edge for Nebraska. And I know we were having this conversation just a few years ago as as a new coach came in and like, hey, you know, everything. There was no reason to believe that one wasn't going to work out. So I'm kind of hesitant to, you know, talk too big on this one or or be too optimistic. But um, I don't know. I mean, the division is in a different place. Wisconsin is not what Wisconsin was. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just think it's a lot more wide open. Brad, enjoy the ball game tonight. Thanks for your time today. Always love to get caught up with you. All right. Great talking to you guys. And uh, hopefully we'll get a little bit of competition. That'll be good. And now. And now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, big thanks to Brad Edwards and uh, his insight. Good thoughts on the uh, the playoff setup as well. Not only tonight, we'll get into that underdog role and mentality with Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. Ten minutes from now, we'll talk with Uncle Charlie. Uh, remember some of those title runs with Nebraska. Just how difficult it is to repeat because Georgia's on the verge of doing something that only Bama and Nebraska and Notre Dame and Oklahoma have done. Not split titles, but back-to-back crowned championships. Before we go back to football, I do want to also give a, a thank you out to the affiliates for putting up with us totally blowing by a hard break there last segment. Yeah, so. we are going to get beaten severely here tomorrow morning, but that's... That's why I'm getting ahead of it right now. I am, I'm looking at the affiliates and saying, thank you, we're, we're, we're working sorry. on it, we're getting it fixed, we apologize. Brad's just too good. He's too good, and, and me... Well, uh, I mean, what are we going to do, cut off Brad Edwards? No, think we are? I need to shorten my <laughs> question about 80 minutes. No, I'll work on that. That's it's a me thing for, 20, <laughs> for 2020. New Chris year, Schmidt. new you. Yeah, right? <laughs> Schmidt, we're going to work on the questions you ask being 15 seconds, not 50 minutes. It's Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, Chris Schmidt. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And for Connor Clark, take this down at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Just have your notepads ready, please. I, I think <laughs> this can be close tonight. Ooh. Close as in TCU covers. Well, and the spread's at 13 and a half 12, right now? 12 and a half. It's dropped the point. It's dropped to 12 and a half? I was going to say, if it's at 13 and a half, I'd recommend buying that point up and going 14 and a half. I'm no Danny Burke, but that <laughs> seems like simple math to <laughs> me. Two touchdowns and, and call her good. But 12 and a half, that, that makes things tough. That makes me want to err on the side of Georgia. But if you know anything about late moving lines, I've brought this up a lot on this show, statistically proven that if you bet a late moving line before it moves, so if you bet TCU 13 and a half and it moves to 12 and a half, statistically you have a higher than uh, average chance of that bet hitting. Now, it's not necessarily means it's going to happen, but I think it's somewhere closer to 70%. If you get it before the line changes, you do in fact hit that bet. So maybe we're looking at TCU covering a 13 and a half point line tonight. That'd be all right. And, and Brad hit on it, and we'll have that podcast up, not only for you to watch on the uh, Hale Varsity YouTube channel, but also can get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio, individualized segments or the, f- the full show. Uh, available both ways for you. But he touched on the fact Georgia can be thrown on, okay? 
And the thing that's unique about Max Duggan, when you look at his skill set, how he can extend plays, he's been a lot of fun to watch do that here this year in the Big 12. And then also with what he was able to do uh, against Michigan. TCU is great, absolutely great at yards after the catch. They turn a five-yard gain into a 15-yard gain. Now, some of that was screw-ups by Michigan when you think about the crossing route when he was pressured right the third and long. But TCU's been excellent at, at making teams, even a team like Michigan. They were 3 of 15 on third down. But Dugan is killer with the deep ball. All right, the average deep ball completion is around 35 to 38%, 20 yards or more downfield. Dugan hits at a 48% rate. You know what they say, ladies love the long ball. Uh, chicks to dig the Whatever. long ball. Hour two on the way with Charlie McBride. Like what you hear, high quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code G. GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome him back in for another year. 2023, and we get it kicked off the right way with Charlie McBride. Mr. Blackshirt, a Monday with Charlie as it is National Championship Monday. Coach, how we doing? Happy New Year. I know I'm a little late in saying that, but want to wish it to you anyway. How we doing? Good. Happy New Year to you too, and all of, all of our fans out there. I mean, it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a good year. I think so too. And we'll get to the national title game in a moment. But I want to ask you about uh, the underdog role and the the underdog role Nebraska had against Florida State. When we look at point spreads. This point spread right now is 12.5 points. TCU is underdog. You guys went into that Florida State game 17.5 point underdogs. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you what. When you get into college football especially, it, it, you, anybody can beat anybody. It turns into a little bit of a mental game. And, you know, it, it goes back to the same thing I've always talked about is that if uh, Georgia thinks they're going to roll their head on the field, they're probably going to get beat. Mm. And so, but if they come out and play like they can, then that's going to be a tough game for TCU, I think. But uh, TCU, you kind of, you kind of prepare. You don't want to prepare your players to 
you know, to just say, well, we're the underdog, we got nothing to lose. Um, yeah, you got something to lose. That's <laughs> the game, but uh, <laughs> the thing that the thing that's important there is they. I think that the mental part of it to be able to relax and play a little bit uh, in the in the game kind of helps sometimes. You know, rather than be on edge and uh, you know and really, you know, a lot of times you've seen a, a whole quarter go by where the the team that's the you know when it's an even game they both look like they're really tight and it looks awful <laughs> and then they relax and play so that's kind of what's going to happen probably with uh, with TCU they haven't been in one of these games and a lot of the players from Georgia have been. But they they have the ability to say, hey, you know, we're the underdog. We got nothing to lose. If you want to put it that way, then they'll then they'll they'll fight it that way. Mindset is so important. Is oh, that oh. is that is that something you worked on with your kids? Thinking about some of those national championship moments. Did did you coach teams that played tight, or did you coach teams that were able to play loose? Well, you just coach them to play the best they can play. I mean, you don't you don't do. I, I I've never heard anybody, any coach or anybody say, "Hey, we have nothing to lose. Let her fly." You know, mm-hmm. um, maybe individual coaches to their players uh, at their positions have said that, but uh, in general, that's not usually the the way. Uh, you know, you want to run the whole team. You the whole team. You know, you have to. Say, for example, as a head coach, you have to prepare everybody to play the best they can play. I think one of the things is is that, you know, I, I, I've heard coaches say time and time again that <clears throat> they don't have to win this game, but what they do have to do is play as hard as they can on every play and focus and do those kind of things, and the score will take care of itself. Coach, in, in a game like this, with TCU being such a significant underdog, do you believe in the underdog, you know, going to the bag of tricks a little bit, opening up the playbook and, and finding some plays deeper in the playbook to catch the defense or, or even the offense off guard? Do you think you should be playing the, the fundamental football year that's gotten you there? What, what's your take on that? Because there's two sides of the coin. Well, I think the, the coaches that are the underdogs have a little more leeway to say, hey, let's put a few trick plays in and you know, see if we can throw them off that way. Uh, you know, uh, and I, I I think the team that's not the underdog is going to, you know, play it's pretty straight. Charlie McBride with us here on Hale Varsity Radio on Monday with Charlie. Coach, I want to go to Tony White, uh, Nebraska's defensive coordinator. We had a chance to, to meet with him last Friday, and he was in front of the podium and was very uh, adamant about wanting to do the Nebraska defense proud, wanting to do the the black shirt tradition proud. So there are people mm-hmm. he's going to reach out to, likely you, if he hasn't already. But what, what's your reaction take on on Coach White and and this versatility that he's going to bring defensively wise, be it a three three five or a four down look or whatever. It sounds like he's going to adapt to the personnel that he has and wants to go get. Right. I, well, when you say you're going to adapt to the personnel, then that, that defense, I mean, I've seen, I've kind of watched a little bit and some of these players are 
some of these teams are playing it, you might see a little bit of it of it out of TCU tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and but you can you can go to a four man front very easily. Uh, you know, and then you have to switch personnel to go, you know, to more of a uh, three, you know, a five-man front, if you want to just call it that, with two outside backers, you know, on the line of scrimmage, you could. But it's easier to go to your um, your four-man fronts out of that defense, I think, and 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 teach it. I think the best thing you can do is what co- all coaches want to do is get their players so confident at at the position that they're playing that no matter what it is, they know how to adjust to it. And uh, and then you fit everything you want to do into it, whether it's checks to a certain front against a certain formations or that kind of thing. You know, you do that as you go through the week. Coach Charlie McBride is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Coach, TCU runs the 3-3-5 as well. We saw that against Michigan. What should Husker fans look out for in tonight's game about what to maybe expect or see from Nebraska in the upcoming season that maybe mirrors TCU's defensive style? Well, that defense, when you look at it, you have a lot of options uh, with pressure uh, compared to where they where they line up. So that it may be that, you know, I always thought that, you know, then the old saying, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. But, uh, you know, you probably, uh, if, you, if you're if you in the um, underdog role, you might have a little more uh, to it. But I think that the, the they'll probably have a few wrinkles in, in that they know about and we'll never see them, you know, defensively. I mean, we'll never realize that that's something new. I mean, because, you know, it just uh, stunts look like stunts, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and they, uh, but to run them, you know, that change up. And I think the biggest thing is is when you have a, a scheme that you don't, you, you, you know, you try more to change the, change the front with different calls but you don't mess with the secondary too much except maybe to disguise your coverage. Charlie McBride is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Charlie, to, to switch gears here a little bit and maybe talk to Georgia's side of things just a little bit more, I want to get your take on you know, being a team that's been there and done that before. Georgia obviously took it home the, the national title last season, and they have guys in the roster, guys that are going to be playing tonight that played in that game last year. As for TCU, this is a new experience for them. The only championship game most of these guys have played in, they lost to Kansas State, that being the Big 12 championship game a little over a month ago. And I want to get your take on how much that's going to factor in tonight. The fact that Georgia has guys in their starting lineup that that played pretty significantly in that national championship game last year. Yeah, but they have guys that haven't. (laughs) Those are the guys that the problem over a little bit is they don't, you know, the guys that have played probably will be able to relax a little quicker than or get adjusted a little quicker to the game uh, than those that haven't. And, of course, you know, TCU has not been there and, you know, if they're really pressing hard, it, it makes it, you know, hard for, hard for you to really function like you really can. Mm-hmm. And it takes a little bit of time. So if that's the case, then you want to try to hold them off the best you can, you know, so that you can, you know, kind of regroup your, yourself mentally and, and really, uh, you know, 
get the get the playing hard. And I think a lot of it goes to the quarterback. Sometimes, in both cases, in games like this, sometimes they're a little bit more uh, afraid to pull the trigger a little bit on some of the early, you know, until they really get relaxed and get into the game. Is there something to, you know, getting that first hit of the game as a quarterback or, or as that guy on the football field? You, you take that one big shot and then you're you're finally locked back into the game. Is there something to that? Get the what now? The, like the first big hit of the game, taking a hit, laying a hit. You, you got to have that one. I think it's settling what boxers in, say. Right? That, that boxers need to get punched in the face once before they can settle in. Is there something to that in football? Well, I think you talk about being physical, the most physical team, no matter, you know, on both sides of the ball. I mean, that's that's just part of preparation. And uh, I think the biggest thing is no stupid penalties. No, no, you know, on the sidelines, you know, doing anything late and causing your team to get a 15-yard penalty or something like that. Penalties are with, with uh, turnovers and penalties are really hurt you in a game like this. You know, especially if it gets close, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough. And so the players have to really control themselves and, uh, you know, be on top of it. And, you know, in a lot of cases, you got some guys that are very high strung and, you know, you have to kind of talk to them a little more than others during the week and, or during that preparation time. But they all understand when we're when this 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 kind of comes off, and you're playing for a national championship. You know, most guys will really be careful. Charlie McBride with us on Monday with Charlie at Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. Uh, just speak to the difficulty and the uh, the honor, really, of of being able to win back to back championships. George is trying to do it. Your Nebraska teams, one of just a handful that have done it. Well, that's the thing. That's that's the exact thing that you really have to protect against. You have to you have to be prepared for that game as well as you did the first one. I mean, you can't you can't let it slip. And I think you do that through practice. I think a lot of times coaches, if they get to a point where they're ah, oh, well, we played this before, we're going to ease up a little bit. You know, maybe in your total preparation and. You know, do let them do a few more things than that. Sometimes when you do that, they get the idea that you're, you're you know, you think it's a little easier than it is. It's not an easy game, and uh, you know, you have to be prepared for everything. I mean, it's it's really crazy, but but uh, you know, the tricks and those things. You know, a lot of times when you go back and look at some of the stuff that they've done for the years, maybe in the last couple of years or so, if you can, if you have the film to do it, uh, to see what they do. And and the important thing is, is one of the things we always used to do is try to find out who maybe is playing split end that was a quarterback in high school. Mm-hmm. and And those guys are you got to be careful with those guys on reverses and stuff because if they can throw the ball, they'll be the guy they, that, that they use. And know what your holders are doing. Know what, where they came from. Were they a quarterback in high school? Or are, they, are, they, are they known for throwing the ball or ever catching it? And so you have to really check the personnel part of it, you know, out really close uh, for everybody, the punters, the 
you know, anybody, <laughs> you know, as you saw, I think the other night I saw in a pro game, I saw it in the second half, and they didn't really need to, but they went, uh, maybe it was a college game, went to an onside kick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it even came off, I think, in the middle of a quarter, you know. So those kind of things can happen if you're susceptible to anything. You know, with the time they have to prepare for a game, you know, you can find you can you can look at at that kind of stuff pretty easy. So, are you uh, doing chicken wings tonight, or, or what's on the menu for the national title game? Any nineteen dollar beers? Yeah, nineteen dollars <laughs> for a beer at, at, in Los Angeles for this ball game. How much? Nineteen. <laughs> oh, that's good. There won't be many people getting popped over there. <laughs> <laughs> Not without a loan. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you, you better bring your wallet, right? I mean, you know, the, the, the prices of tickets anyway are, are getting only for spe- special people, I think. Yeah. And, and and the drinking is, you know, probably done in the parking lot before the game's no. more than it is they, the game. They, they've banned tailgating. You can't show up with your RV and have a tailgate. Imagine, <laughs> imagine and that's, that's the rule. There's people in uh, yellow coats preventing uh, Texans and Georgians from tailgating today. Good luck with that. Really? Yeah, it's well, a whole mess, man. Well, that, <laughs> I mean, they're even getting rules for that now, too, huh? And so, you know, it's all changed. I, I, you know, it, 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 does, it does help maybe save a few arrests. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> Charlie McBride with us. That's pretty good. Coach, we'll uh, talk with you next Monday. Good to spend time with you. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Okay, guys. I'll be waiting to see how she goes this uh, tomorrow night or what is it? Tonight. Monday? Tonight, yeah. Tonight. Yep. Yep. That's right. It is tonight. I'll sure. tell you what, that's how much I know. Yeah. I, I just turn TV on and see where the commercials are. If it leads me there, that's good. Coach, we'll we'll talk. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye now. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Brady Holtman, staff writer, HaleVarsity.com magazine, coming up here in about 15 minutes. Kudos, congratulations to dear friends. Uh, The Sportscasters of the Year Award are out. Doug Duda. Gotta love you, Doug. Doug Duda from ESPN Superstation, 1460, 1550, Carney Hastings. He is your sportscaster of the year. That's great news. No one deserves it more than Doug. Duda's the best. He's incredible. Evan Bland. Touchdown dance, Evan Bland. Good for both of you guys. That's awesome. It's really cool. I believe both first-time winners? Yep. Both first-time winners. That is some awesome news we're getting today. And, uh... Schmitty, I, I know uh, you're going to have to get back in the competition here eventually to, to win your second, go defend your crown. I, I'm not sure how the does it. Are you allowed to go back to back years? I don't think you no, are. You are not allowed to go back to back years. So you have to come back and defend your I crown now against. Doug I would have gone Mayor Daly on the ballot box selfishly. <laughs> 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 okay, I mean, uh, sorry, <laughs> little little vain here, but no, dude is awesome. Uh, Evan's awesome. And those guys, Doug and uh, Doug, Doug and Daddy, show had some great coverage 
coverage of uh, Ryan Held mm-hmm. and him being introduced as the coach of UNK last week. And I think it's perfect timing. This comes on the heels of that because I'm excited to see Held at UNK. I was following along with their coverage last week. And mm-hmm. uh, as I said a little bit earlier, nobody more deserving than Doug Dude of Nebraska Sportscaster nope. of the Year. Doug's awesome. Congrats. Uh, proud affiliate, uh, of course, uh, with us. Uh, at Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan as well comes on every Wednesday yeah, with us. we love Evan. One of the the smartest Husker sports writers around, and I probably would have said that about anyone who would have won the award because there's plenty of super smart Husker sports writers around, but Evan Bland's one of the best to do it, kind enough to join us every single Wednesday and put up with us. So uh, love Evan, love Doug, and congrats to both of those two. So what do you believe uh, with the, the game tonight? We'll have open phones here for about 15 minutes. You want to jump in at 466-3776. Let me ask you this. Do you believe in TCU? Do you believe they are able to get it done, or is it just too steep a hill to climb? And, and this really comes down to what our old boy and dear friend Coach Walden always talks about. He's talked about this for years. Jim, Jim Walden, Riverboat Gambler, five-star or five-year, right? Most people in college football are five-year. It's different now with NIL and the portal and all of that stuff. But for the most part, and Nebraska was great at this, where you get a kid, you develop them by years three, four, five, contributor, starter, stud, or however the order went. Maybe they were a stud early. But the point is, is you got them in, you got them ready, and then they played. And then you just reloaded. Easier said than done. Georgia for years. Ohio State for years. They'd go 10-2, and 9-3. and three, But they, they always, when you looked at the NFL draft every May or April, <laughs> there's a hundred guys from the state of Georgia or from Georgia or from Florida State. Or pick these schools that you think should have more national championships than they do. Last year, that was the first one since Herschel. Mm. It's been that long. They've they've finished top 10 six times under Kirby Smart. They've played for, what, four or five of them, it feels like? This this, this, this is their fifth? This is their fifth, but they have one to show for it, Mm -hmm. right? They're almost kind of like the Atlanta Braves. Sorry to pour salt on that wound, Brave fans. But you get there, but you better do it while you're there and win it. Uh, Clemson took two down. And just the, the topic, guys, of going back-to-back, back, how rare that is, how difficult that is. And as a Nebraska fan of a certain age, you, you, you relish that you're a talking point tonight when it gets brought up because Georgia's on the verge of doing something, the first in the playoff era, to go back-to-back. Back. Mm-hmm. But they're on the verge of being just one of a handful of teams to go back-to-back. 46-47 Notre Dame, 55-56 Oklahoma. You have Nebraska, 94-95. You have Bama, Mm 2011-2012. And that is it. Now, you have other programs that have shared a second national championship. But here's who who is not. Here are the programs that, that have won a ton of titles. They've won multiple titles. But they've never gone back-to-back. Urban's Florida teams never went back-to-back. His Ohio State teams never went back-to-back. Those great teams Lou Holtz had in the late 80s with Notre Dame, they never went back-to-back. Dabo never went back-to-back. Switzer never went back-to-back. He played for a consecutive championship uh, in, I, I think they won it in 85, and they were right there in 86. 
That ended up being uh, Miami Penn State, and then they played for it again in 87. All those hurricane teams, I mean, the the run, the, uh, the, the U from 83 to 94, and then back again, the end of the Butch Davis era, those Canes teams never went back-to-back. They were on the verge versus Ohio State of going back-to-back, but the infamous penalty flag in the end zone uh, during the Maurice Claret era uh, doomed that. And that, that's but, the biggest one that surprises me of the ones you've listed, that Miami has never gone back-to-back. They would always, from a scheduling standpoint, they get clipped by a Notre Dame or mm-hmm. they got too big for their britches and in 1990 got got beat by the fighting Ty Detmers at, at BYU. So their schedule was always pretty loaded because they were playing a lot of independent teams. But guys, it, it's it's a marvel to go back-to-back. And as, as tough as it was for Nebraska in a lot of instances to have to more times than not play a Florida team in Florida, the Fiesta Bowl's different, but that, that Spurrier squad was pretty special that Nebraska dismantled. Um, Nebraska really on the verge, if we want to go a little deeper, of, of a three-peat if they don't misstep and have a couple more guys available in, in 96. So going back-to-back is something special, uh, but it, it, it you just got to pinch yourself, honestly, as a sports fan, if you're a fan of a team that actually accomplishes that. Or you don't have a chance of accomplishing that. I mean, it's, it's rare to do it, but it's, it's even rare in its own right to have a chance of going back-to-back. I mean, how many teams in the college football playoff era have played back-to-back? I think we're at two. Bama went back-to-back, and Clemson went back-to-back, and it was the same year. It was that year where... Both of them played each other. Where Bama won it one year, and then yeah, Clemson you, you won it had, next. You had more more Clemson Bama sequels than Rambo movies mm-hmm. at one point, where it just was every year. You know the the, the <laughs> Clemson Bama Part Four, Clemson Bama Part Fifteen. I mean, uh, how many how many Rocky movies are there? How many Clemson Bama games were there? Well, I think that's almost what makes tonight interesting is the fact that Georgia now is in that that era of what Alabama was five years ago. That it's Georgia where you go. How the hell do you beat this team? Even on an off day, they can still beat you. That's how I feel about Georgia, and that's what makes tonight so compelling to me, despite the fact that, as Brad said, it's the biggest mismatch since Bama and Notre Dame back in 2011. It still feels compelling simply for the fact of it's big, bad Georgia. Nobody's been able to beat him from the SEC. No one's been able to beat him for a couple of years now. You look at that Georgia team and you say, wow, it's a juggernaut, and they're going up against a team in TCU that has played the underdog role all year long. They've I mean, responded to every single test that they've had, and they've, they've won it except that the Big 12 championship game, which I think is a bit of an exception with how TCU was a little bit banged up and how Max Duggan got banged up in that one. But you look at it, and this is the team. TCU is the team that everyone's been saying for the past couple of years. Well, they don't have a shot at a college football playoff. They're not one of those big four. They're not Ohio State. They're not Georgia. They're not Alabama. They're not Clemson. Therefore, they're going to be one of those teams that, even when they have a great year, it's them falling short. But th- tonight is where TCU gets the chance to prove that entire narrative from the past almost decade wrong. That, you know what? A team that isn't from the SEC, that isn't from the Big Ten, that isn't pulling in top five recruiting classes, can go win a national title. That's what's on the stake, or that's what's on the line tonight for TCU. And that's why I'm so interested in this matchup. Connor, TCU was a have for a long time, for about a nine year run, 08 2017. They were top six, make it top ten, six different times. They finished second in the country. They finished third in the country, but they'd been in the Mountain West, and they were a, a group of five squads, so they weren't really invited to the party. Uh, they fell off the last four seasons, 
they were two games below 500, 21 and 23, and they needed an offense to go with the defense because it was a defensively centered team with Gary Patterson. You have Sonny Dykes come in. They have the same defensive tenacity. Uh, it's still that, that, that blueprint in the three-three-five. but now they've got an offense and a playmaker at quarterback. They've always had dudes at the skill spots to uh, to get open. But TCU's uh, able to access that Fort Worth talent, that state of Texas talent, and uh, they've got uh, a lot to say. They were kept out because they weren't in a big boy conference in past years. Then the big boy conference started taking it out on them. I mean, it just got too tough to navigate what was a 12 and 1 season and a trip to the Rose Bowl turned into an 8 and 4, mm-hmm. right? And then it went below that and they made a coaching change. So, they've been a really good program for the last, you know, 10 12 years, hit a bit of a skid and and now they're back. So, I'll, I'll put it to you, do you believe in them tonight? I do. I don't think that they'll win, but I definitely think they'll cover that spread. And this is a team, and Elijah said it earlier too, that has played the underdog role the entire year. But I don't think they feel that way. Maybe they did for the first half of the year, but they start stringing these wins together. All of a sudden, they're 6-0, and and a team that had 200-1 to odds to get to this point is now here. And I think they're tired of, you know, hearing, oh, TCU's the underdog. And obviously they are, but to them, they belong in this situation. To to your point about going back-to-back, and I think people, including myself, forget how hard that is to do. And, again, to just even have the chance to do that as well Mm -hmm. because you think about it, you go through camp and all these other things. You go through the season, you get to the postseason, and you succeed – in high pressure situations to do that all over again. And, you know, the stress that has not only on your mind, but on your body as an athlete as well. And the coaching staff, that is a highly impressive feat. And the fact that Georgia, even though that they're uber talented and the best team in the sec in the best conference, that doesn't make it any less impressive. I do think Georgia will win tonight, but I think TCU makes it a little interesting because both of Um, the college football playoff games didn't really go according to how I thought they would go. Um, And uh, I think this is the inaugural episode of Connor's Corner, which I actually love that name a lot. So again, it's not a, if you're watching um, the show, I didn't expect TCU to beat Michigan and I didn't, I didn't expect Georgia to be close with Ohio state. And both of those things happened. So I think TCU makes it interesting, uh, covers a spread, but I think Georgia ultimately ends up going back to back. Connor is not in a uh, hostage exchange situation. He's just uh, in his quiet little place. Elijah Herbal. He's in Connor's corner. Yeah, it is. The wooden chair. It's timeout (laughs) time. Brady Altman's on the way with Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Winding down. National championship coverage 20 minutes away. On some of our Hale Varsity Radio affiliates, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and Connor Clark, we welcome in Brady Oldman with us here to talk uh, Natty and recruiting and portal and all that good stuff. At Brady Oldman's on Twitter, read him with HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Subscribe, do so. 
HailVarsity.com backslash offer to get the digital goodies and, of course, the magazine. Brady, uh, what do you got rocking? You ready for the title game tonight? How are you? Good, man. Yeah, um, hitting some stories, getting things lined up so I can actually sit down and, and watch this bad boy tonight. And for our viewers watching on the live stream, I need you to dispel a, a rumor that I just made up, and that's that you and Connor are actually sitting in the same room right now. you got the same shade as well. <laughs> it looks like you're each in a different corner. So can He's you lucky. He gets a room? window. And Brady gets the window. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I draw, I draw the the actual long straw on that one, so I get to sit next to the window here. Uh, Connor is <laughs> safer from tornadoes, though, being away from the window, being closer to the interior of the house, I'd assume. I think there's somebody with a ski mask and a machine gun standing <laughs> behind the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am nodding slowly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> so, how about those Huskers, Brady? Yes, they are going to be playing in this game a year from now. Uh, <laughs> He's reading off the cue cards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whether I want to say yes or not well, yeah whether i believe it or not uh let's get caught up where's nebraska stand with some of their their options in the portal uh, on the offensive line let's go there i know nebraska's been chasing some guys that uh, that have visited i know uh you got a timeline for for one of the guys uh tomorrow at eight o'clock uh, that's going to be big for Nebraska to to maybe add some more depth on that uh, that line. But you know, it's uh, Macuzas who I'm thinking of from the, the the Baylor transfer, and then Walter Rouse. Can you give us an update on on both of those options for Nebraska, and who else is chasing? Uh, well, Mazuka's interesting from the standpoint of he visited Nebraska and then Auburn and Florida in consecutive days. Um, he had a very loaded uh, official week uh, last weekend. And like you said, he's due to announce his decision um, Tuesday night. So Nebraska will have a good idea then. I mean, that those are two strong schools to go up against if you're trying to land a, a transfer portal guy. And then Rouse on the other end, he's he's kind of he's a lot more interesting to me because he's not as active on social media. He hasn't really been updating as much. But he's also a guy who's got a little bit well, – he's got more eligibility, for one, that makes him more intriguing. Um, but he's also just you know stronger on the interior, which, which is kind of fascinating to me. And obviously offensive line is a point that these coaches wanted to hit in the portal and get immediate depth there. That's why they got Ben Scott, the former Arizona offensive lineman, in. I'm sure that they'd like to get both of them. I'm not exactly sure if they're betting on getting both of them. But um, we don't have a timeline for Rouse yet. We'll see what what comes out of there, or even if he's got a timeline for a decision. Brady, between those two guys, Rouse and, and um, Mazuka, excuse me, is there a, a read that you know if one comes, the other won't? Or is this coaching staff in on both, trying to get both? I, I, do you understand my question there? Just that you know, once one comes in, one might want to go elsewhere to try to find a spot with more playing time, or is there a real chance that Nebraska could land both these guys? I think that there's a chance that they'll land both of them. I don't think that they're they're hedging bets by going after two, thinking that they'll only get one. Um, at, fundamentally, because I think that they play their strengths are at different positions. You know, uh, Mike is a little bit more of a tackle. He's more of a good, strong edge protector guy, especially on the blind side. Whereas Rouse is more of an interior lineman that's going to uh, create a little stronger run push uh, for you. So their their skill sets are are different enough. Um, like I said, I think where they, where this coaching staff sees their opportunity is they want to get two guys in or as much, you know, 
strength in numbers as they can to kind of build depth in a competition to drive this offensive line and, and make a big uh, leap from where they were last year. Brady Oatmans is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Brady, you mentioned Ben Scott just a couple moments ago. I want to talk about him a little bit more. What does his starting experience especially bring to this offensive line group, and how can he lead this group going into 2023? Well, I think it's invaluable. Anytime, especially with transfer portal guys, anytime you've got a guy with significant starting experience on a consistent basis, that those are the guys that you want to snatch up, and especially on the offensive line where you know, you're clanging and banging with dudes 300 pounds for the, you know, almost every snap of the game. And you're doing it for 10 play, you know, 10 games a year at least. So there's a reason why Nebraska's offensive line was no um, oddity last year and having, you know, different formations or different um, combinations, I should say, not formations with guys going down. You had a couple of guys out for the season and everything like that which again goes back to the, they want to build depth. They want to have, make it a competitive position. If some guys get left out, I think they're, you know, they're, they're relaying to the guys, Hey, look, you're, you're playing for your spot now. Like this, we, but we want it. It's going to be good for you. It's going to get the best out of you. It's going to get the best out of everybody else. And it's going to make the best out of the program. So I think that that's, that's what they're looking for. And a guy like Ben Scott is with those snaps and experience, um, his skill set stands out, but, when it comes to significant power five game time experience, I mean, you're, you can't have enough of that at this level. Brady, a thought here on Gatlin Bayer. He's a, a wide out from Idaho, Nebraska's on his trail for 2024. Oh, I, I, I loved writing about that kid. I caught up with his coach um, the other day. He's, he's one of those Mountain West guys. It's, it's tough because Idaho doesn't get a lot of spotlight, which I think um, most Nebraska fans would probably find understandable based on its you know, population mm-hmm. and size density. But Gatlin's a kid who is just a blistering speed. You know, he's, he's, he would stand out in any state in the, the 100 and 200 already, and this is just his junior He just wrapped up his junior year. Uh, he just, uh, what was it? He just deadlifted 545 pounds the other day, and he's got a whole another year to go. Um, he's, he's one that he gained a lot of, um, like Boise state offers. I think Washington state also offered him a, and a couple of power five offers going into his junior year. And then his coach said, who do you want? Who are some schools that stand out to you? You haven't heard from yet. So they actually got in touch with Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And at that time, at that time they were like, okay, we kind of like this. And then Scott Frost got fired and the the communication ties kind of severed there. But uh, once rules showed up, that really uh, that really excited them over there. Uh, Coach Anderson and Gatlin himself, uh, they got really excited because Gatlin wants to play in the NFL and Matt Rule has that NFL experience. So they got in touch and, you know, if a kid can run a, a 10 something 100 and he wants to play football, especially receiver for you, um, Matt rule will give you the thumbs up and it's like the sevens roll up in his eyes, you know, like mm-hmm. a jackpot. So <laughs> um, they're, they're very in, of course, they're also contending with Michigan. Uh, Jim Harbaugh was another one um, that they were excited about and touch base with. So those Nebraska and Michigan right now are high on the list. His coach said uh, at this point, if they like had to say now, probably would come to Nebraska on an official visit at some point here uh, because of his excitement for the program and, and everything. So he's one that I'm, I'm excited to keep an eye on. Real quick, what happens tonight? TCU, Georgia, minus 12 and a half is the, uh, the line right now. 
it's really difficult, man, um, because everything on paper says that Georgia should just, you know, go away with it. But everything we've seen out of TCU this year has just said never count them out, you know, never, never put them that far behind because they're going to find a way to, to scrap with it. I, I think at the end of the day, Georgia wins, but I'm, I'm certainly not going to expect them to cover it all. Okay. Well, I think we're at a decent consensus. Well, we'll see. We're, we're going to lock in our predictions after the break. We will. We will. Um, we will get the uh, prediction sure to go wrong. Low, I, low stakes. I'm thinking whoever loses between the three of us and Brady's out in this one. I think, and the loser gets the, uh, the, the tattoo of the logo of the winning team. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, Low stakes. Sure. <laughs> Connor, are you in? Not, not I'm not ink. coming back to Lincoln. <laughs> not <laughs> an ink that. guy, says Connor. Brady Altman's Brady will catch up later in the week. Thanks for jumping in. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right. That Brady Altman's on Twitter. Read him with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Predictions, national title game on the way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Big thanks to Brady Oltman's Brad Edwards, longtime college football insider. He's covered a ton of national championship games. He joined us for a lot of hour one. And then Charlie McBride, back with Uncle Charlie in 2023. He got us going in our two podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the full show or segments of the show available for you. Watch the whole thing on Hale Varsity YouTube channel or the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence. Connor Clark in his hostage den uh, at C underscore Clark underscore 27. You were right, Elijah. You and uh, with with Brady and Connor, it's like they were uh, in separate rooms with the same compound. Yes. Oh, that's a that's a better way to put it. It's got like the same background on the wall, like very much look like they were there against their will. <laughs> <laughs> Both agreed to come on the show, I promise you. All right, lay out the facts. What happened with our stake in the beer NFL and tell the world what you did with the whiskey marinade. Okay, so I'll get to the whiskey marinade in a second because we are running out of time here, but I'll take us through steak and a beer before we lock in our predictions. I had Chiefs minus nine. You had Raiders plus nine, so that's a win for Elijah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both had the Ravens to cover a nine-point spread, so we moved to the over-under. jumped to 11 and a half. Yes, uh, and last I checked, it didn't matter because we picked the same thing, so we moved to the over-under. I, I can check that for you. What was the final score of that game? I don't know. I got it pulled up in front of me. The Ravens lost by 11. Uh, so we both had Ravens plus nine. We're both wrong. But you had the over 39 and a half. I had the under 39 and a half. So you picked that one up. Uh, and then we moved to Sunday where we both had the Jags to cover a six and a half point spread where we were both wrong. We got hosed on that one. You had the under 40. I had the over 40. It was under 40. 36 points scored. So that's a victory for you. But then we moved to the final game. 
which we picked four for some reason. Did I did I say Green Bay? You said Detroit plus four and a half. I had Detroit money line. So I win that one. So we're each at two and two. We predict, predicted the score of that one, though. Uh, you had 35-31. I had 24-21. So I believe I win the tiebreaker by being closer to the score and also having the Detroit money line, which means I would have made more money sh- was it actual betting. Okay. So, Look at Elijah flexing right so, now. So I believe that's my weekend. But the, but the whiskey steak, did you handle that? It turned out fine. Needs The, the marinade needs a little work. I cooked it perfectly. Uh, it's just not not like the steaks I usually cook and uh, ended up being just a little sweet. So I think I need to, to adjust the marinade, maybe a little bit more whiskey. I'll have it ready for the next time we do a steak and a beer bet, and I lose. Okay. All right. Connor, what happens tonight? Make your prediction. Give me score. Give me TCU or Georgia. I think Georgia wins. I think TCU covers. Give me a higher scoring game. I'll go Georgia 45, TCU 38. 45-38, Connor says Bulldogs, but uh, the cover for TCU, Elijah. Georgia wins and covers 42-27. to 27, They get it done. I'm going to go 38-20, win and cover for the Dogs. We'll recap it tomorrow with Hale Varsity at 4, presented by Currency. A Huda Media Production.